Good morning. If you're new with us, I'm Jay, I'm the lead pastor, and that video was about Right Now Media, and I thought I'd take just a minute to kind of reintroduce that to our church family, because we've got uh, some newer people, and maybe you hadn't heard of Right Now Media, I've mentioned it a few times, but have had a few questions uh, from people in terms of like, what really is it? And so you kind of saw that in the video. Another really good way to say it is it's the Netflix of Bible studies. And uh, there's about 20,000 Bible studies on there. I know my life group uses it uh, every now and then. I know a few of our other life groups use it. Uh, and it's a great discipleship tool to have. And it is 100% free to anybody and everybody that wants it. Uh, all you need to do is go to our website and request access. Just find the Right Now Media Access button on our website, connectchurch.xyz. Find that and uh, fill out that little form and submit it and we will get back to you within 24 to 48 hours uh, with your access code. Make sure you check your junk mail because sometimes it goes there. Um, but uh, it's completely free and, and we also want you to give it out to as many people um, that you think may, may want it because we have no limit on the amount of accounts that we can give out. So if you're watching online, also something that you can sign up for right away and we would love to give it to you. And it actually has a lot to do in many ways. It's a resource of what we're gonna be talking about here uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so let me pray as we get into God's word here. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, your spirit would just continue to move through this place. So grateful for our worship team and how they've led us into your presence. And uh, now, Jesus, I pray that you would continue to move and speak to us as we open your word. Uh, Lord, just uh, continue to move in Jesus' name. Amen. So what would you say was the best decision of your life? What was the best decision of your life thus far? If you had to, if you had to like nail it down to one thing, would it be maybe a, maybe a job decision, maybe a college decision? Maybe, uh, maybe it's a decision to move somewhere or to not move somewhere. That would actually be high on, on my list. Uh, I at one point had the opportunity to move to Las Vegas and didn't. Um, so that was a good decision to not. Um, for various reasons that I can talk about some other time. But what would, what would that look like for you in terms of the best decision of your life? Let me tell you what the second best decision of my life was. And that was marrying my wife. Um, we are celebrating 20 years of, of marriage this year. And we just got back uh, from spending a week together on a trip that we planned over a year ago uh, to, to spend some time together because investing in my marriage is the second most important calling and investment that I can make in my life. And I say the second most um, because following Jesus is number one. Following Jesus is number one, and following Jesus must be number one. But my marriage is number two. My kids would be number three. My family is number four, and my church family, sorry, y'all are number five. I love y'all. I love y'all a ton, believe me. Um, but that is the proper order and, and hierarchy. That's a biblical order and hierarchy there. But you know what? After 20 years, I look back, and I know that there's some of you here that, that are like, you know, maybe have a few more years than that uh, on us, and, and that's awesome, and uh, praise God. Uh, we need more uh, strong marriages in this country and uh, moving forward and, and all of that. Um, but, you know, I look back and I think about that, and I, I think about the ceremony and the wedding day. That was just the beginning, right? That was just the beginning. July 26, 2003, I got married that day, but marriage 
is different than getting married. Right? Yeah. Yeah, marriage is different than getting married. There's a whole lot there. But making the decision to follow Jesus, it's the best decision of my life, and it's the best decision of your life, or at least it can be, and I would encourage you to, to make it that, but, it, but it's not, let me tell you what it's not, it's not a one and done. It's not a one and done thing. Religion is different than relationship, and following Jesus is a relationship that begins and ends with surrender. And you could argue that marriage does too. <laughs> but you know what? It's not following rules and then changing your life. That, that's not what it is. Following Jesus is not just following rules and, and changing your life in that way. It's so much more than that. It's losing your life. It's, it's losing your life. Truly following Jesus is, is not something to be taken lightly. And if I'm being honest with you, some of, the, some of the drive behind this talk today is because I feel like the church as a whole has taken that too lightly. We've taken that too lightly. It's, it's his will over your will. It's, it's him saying, follow me. Those two words mean a lot. That means you drop everything that you thought you knew about your life and it's turned over to him. For us to connect our community to Jesus and, and to reach people, we must first be disciples of Jesus. And the goal to be disciples who make disciples, that's the Great Commission, which we're gonna look at here in a minute. But that's to copy and paste Jesus via multiplication. So when I say the word disciple, what does it really mean? What does it really mean to be disciples of Jesus? Because this word has a lot of weight. And that's what we're gonna be talking about. Because if this is what we're called to be, and we are, then we should have an understanding of what that means and we should feel the weight of what that truly means and what that really means for us and to understand that if we're really gonna pursue it in the way that Jesus has called us to pursue it. The beginning of the year, we did. Uh, we we started the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we had three topics that we were praying and fasting for in three consecutive weeks, and it was awesome. God showed up in in some awesome ways, and I still hear people every now and then talking about how how awesome that was for us. The first thing we prayed for was to have a heart for the house, meaning to pray for each other, for us, to pray for our church family and to love each other. Second was to fill the house, to see more people continue to come and connect to Jesus and, and to be a part of our church family here. And, and we saw that. We saw God answer that prayer and, and we're continuing to see that. And it's a great thing. The third thing, the third week was to wake up. To wake up. And today, I'm kind of turning that alarm on as your shepherd, I'm doing you a disservice if I let you hit the snooze button on wake up. And here's what it said. Here's what it said. That, that week, here's what, here's what we were praying for. We refuse to be a people who fall into a spiritual slumber. In this year, we seek God to spiritually awaken us in areas of our life that might be asleep. 
And so together, let's pray that God would wake us up to see the beauty of who he is so that anything in our lives that does not have value would fall away. Getting rid of worthless, sin-filled desires only happens when we truly delight in Christ. So wake up, enjoy God, and be alert for the mission that God has called us to in our city and in our community. That was what we were praying for as a wake-up. And with a quarter, one quarter left of the year, I think we need to really lean into this wake-up idea. So here's a question. When it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, do you truly know what you're signing up for? Do you truly know what you're signing up for? Is this just punching a, a, a ticket to heaven? Is it fire insurance? Because that's not the way Jesus describes it at all. Not even close. I don't think we really put enough weight on what it truly means to follow Jesus. And so I'm going to put some weight on it today. We're so distracted by everything else in our busy schedules, self-included, that we forget that it's not our schedule anymore, right? We gave up the right to have a schedule that is not dictated by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as followers of Jesus. But that's a hard thing to really remind ourselves of every single day. A couple of weeks ago um, when uh, Pastor Travis was talking and he was talking about how when he was called in, into ministry and, uh, and, and we were at camp, I was his youth pastor and, and I remember sitting down praying with him and he said how I tried to talk him out of it. Um, and I did. And I did that for a reason. I did because I wanted to really put the weight on what it really meant to go into full-time ministry. I wanted to make sure he really knew what he was signing up for. And you know what? Someone did that for me. And so I, I felt like I, I needed to do that for someone else that felt the same calling is to really put the weight on there of like, because I, I, I did. I had someone tried to talk me out of it. See, when you follow Jesus, there's no room for a plan B. Jesus doesn't give us a plan B when, when you go to follow him. So for Connect Church, what does it mean Disciple, when we say that word, what do we really mean there? Because there's a lot of ways to define it. There's a lot of depth to it. We have talked about this in the past, but I want to I get really down to it today. This is going to be, in, in some ways, maybe, maybe back to the basics, but I think we need reminded of the basics a little more often. You could argue that all the core values that are hanging on the wall right there, the core values of, of Connect Church, they reflect someone who is being discipled or in the process of discipleship. So let's break it down this way. Disciple, we've used this definition before, but it works. Disciple, someone who is learning to be more like Jesus every day. That's a good way to look at the word disciple. Someone who's learning to be more like Jesus every day, if we feel like it. No, no, that's not an option. Jesus doesn't give us a plan B, right? And you know why? You know why he doesn't give us a plan B? Because eventually you would take it. You would take the plan B if he gave you a plan B. Because we are sinful and we are fallible and we are selfish and eventually that stuff catches up with us on our own power. And we would eventually 
take the plan B. He loves you too much to offer you a consolation prize because that's what it is. Whatever that plan B is, it's a consolation prize to what he really has in store for you. So turn to Matthew 28, or if you have your, uh, your Bible app on your, on your phone or device, uh, you can uh, follow along Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. And we're going to look at the Great Commission passage here to start with. Makes sense. So here's what it says in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus was saying, here's the plan. You duplicate yourself, or you replace yourself. Because that's what discipleship is. Because if you're following Jesus, then you're doing your best to copy and paste Jesus as he is doing the same in you. And that's, yes, an oversimplification. But you know what? This statement doesn't mean that believers should go. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that may sound weird for a second, but just follow me. What this is not saying is that believers should just go and convert people. It doesn't say we should just go and convert people. Notice how in verse 19, Jesus uses the word disciples, not converts. He doesn't say, therefore, go and make converts of all nations. He doesn't say that. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Converts are people who have declared themselves to be a part of a new faith. That's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But disciples are those who, after converting, commit themselves completely to the teachings of that faith. That's the difference. This world has plenty of converts. There's plenty of people who have just said the prayer and moved on. We need more disciples. Disciples are those that, that commit themselves to completely following the teachings of that faith. So let me ask you this question. Think about it this way. Because you've got this evangelism and discipleship, right? These two, so evangelism, sharing your faith and, and helping people to convert to the faith, sure. And then discipleship, growing in their faith, learning to be more like Jesus every day, right? And we've got these two things that sound like two different things. But let me ask you this. Um, when Jesus was calling his disciples to follow him, was that evangelism or was that discipleship? When he was doing miracles, performing miracles, was that evangelism or discipleship? What about when he was telling parables? Evangelism or, or discipleship? You could argue that the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> See, they walked with him daily. And yet at the crucifixion, they all doubted. They all freaked out. They all abandoned him. So did they not really believe yet in that moment? Maybe. See, it wasn't until Matthew 16, 16 that Peter actually declared Jesus as the Messiah and said those words out loud. But then 10 chapters later, he denies him three times. So 
did evangelism not work even on his own small group? Yikes. See, in the past, the church, the big C church, has really emphasized the conversion of people to Christianity more than discipling people in their faith. Many, many churches have preached about leading people to Jesus and to make a decision for Jesus Christ, which, yes, we should do. You will hear me do that every single week. Every single week, without fail. You will hear that from right here, no doubt. But putting our faith in Jesus Christ, that's part of the process. It's only the first step. And it's the one, unfortunately, that many churches and many people have simply stopped at. They've just stopped there. See, following Jesus, it's not a one-time event. It's not just a thing you do one time. Or it's not even a thing you just do on Sundays. It's a process. Following Jesus is a process. Disciples are in a process. As a disciple, you're in a process. There's no, there's no moment where you've arrived at disciple. See, in, in the Great Commission, the, the word disciple, it's not an outcome. It's not a product. It's not something you end up with. It's a process that you are doing. By definition, the word actually means pupil or learner. And so the grammar is not telling us to, to like make something or to make an object or like here's your certificate, you are now disciple. It's not that. It's not that at all. It's just a verb in many ways. It's a command, it's an action word. It's something that, that we, should, we should do. We should disciple. We think of the Great Commission a lot of times. This, these verses that we read in Matthew, we think of them maybe, maybe toward a specific individual or, or, or for those who, who leave and head out of the country on, on, a, on the missions field, become missionaries and, and all of that. And that is true. That's part of it, no doubt. But the Great, the great Commission is not just for the Chris McNutts in Guatemala or the Theo Wilsons in Africa or all the way around, or the Eric Chapmans in Moldova, or any of the other missionaries that we support. It's for you as well. It's not, and it's not, it's not just for, the, for Jay, right? Or Travis, or Justin, or, or, or Randy, or, or you can go all around. It's for all of us. It's for all of us, right, right where we are. And, and if all we see is that the Great Commission is for the evangelists, and the ministers, and the pastors, you know what that allows us to do? That lets us off the hook. That thinking allows us to blow off the Great Commission as something that's only for that kind of person. That allows us to really stay apathetic to what it truly means to be a disciple who disciples. Because here's the thing. If we aren't being discipled, then we can't disciple. And so maybe you're not in a process of discipleship now with somebody or with a group or, or whatever that might look like. Maybe, be, maybe if you're not being discipled, that, that's why it's not reciprocating on the other end because it's a process. It's a process. See, evangelism isn't a bad thing. Evangelism's a great thing. I love evangelism. The first step in making disciples is to evangelize, for sure. But evangelism and discipleship go hand in hand and or are one in the same. See, evangelism is to share what Jesus has done 
in your life with others. You see it all throughout scripture, right? The woman at the well, first thing she wanted to do, I gotta go tell everybody. You know? And, and you see that a couple of different times in scripture. Somebody like meets Jesus, yeah, I, I, gotta, go t- I gotta go tell everybody. That, that's, that's the first step right there. That's evangelism, but it means nothing if all a person does is lead someone to Christ and then leaves them hanging. Being a Christian that has responsibilities. This is what I'm saying. Like when I'm gonna put some weight on it, and we have responsibilities. Worshiping the Lord, absolutely. Gathering together, being baptized, caring for others, getting into God's word on a regular basis with others, serving, absolutely. But you know what? None of these things or any other responsibilities as Christians can take place and can happen unless people are discipling and being discipled because it's part of the process. Now, this doesn't mean that everybody is meant to drop everything that they're doing right now and go and become pastors and evangelists and missionaries and all of that. If that's God's call on your life, awesome, let's talk, but awesome. This passage, though, in the original, in the, in the original Greek, the way that it's kind of uh, talked about, though, it's talked about as you go. In other words, as you go into the world, into your sphere of influence, where you're planted, as you go, you are discipling and being discipled. So wherever the Lord has you planted, whatever sphere of influence you're in, you are, you, you have, quite frankly, an obligation, a responsibility to disciple and be discipled because all of us are leaders. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a leader. The best way to define a leader, influence. There is somebody that you have influence over in your life. And you have the responsibility as a follower of Jesus to maybe influence someone to follow Jesus more. That's being a disciple who's making disciples. And it's a process. It's baby steps. And it's never someplace that you ever entirely land. It's just who you are because that process is where you continue to be. As a follower of Jesus, you just continue to be in that place. You remain. First John chapter two, verse 24. says, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. This verse is a great verse to look at as, as maybe a definition of discipleship, of being a disciple, remaining faithful to the instruction and following him, which in turn enables us to remain in fellowship with him, which ultimately is all that really matters. And, and you may have noticed I kind of emphasized the word remain. And I want to share something with you that, that I heard uh, a few years ago, actually, at a, at a youth camp that really just stuck with me. And so I have to share it because it fits so perfectly here in what we're talking about. When you look at the definition of the word remain, there's, there's really three main definitions. But I want you to think about these definitions in regards to being a disciple of Jesus and following Jesus and how this actually fits. And I promise you're gonna look at this word differently after today. Here's the first definition. To stay put, to not move. As a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, we are to stay put, we are to remain. 
We are to not move. That's the first definition. Number two, to keep going, to stay the course or continue on the path. You think about that in regards to this verse. You must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning, right? You, to keep going, to stay the course, continue to the path, remain. That's what we are to do as disciples, which invokes a process, right? But here's the third definition, and this is my favorite one, actually. The only thing left to remain. It's the only thing left. This is what disciples are to do. We are to remain. It's the only thing left. When everything else falls apart, we remain because we know Jesus and his word can be trusted and will remain no matter what. John chapter 15, verses four through five. I want you to look at these verses you, they may be familiar to you. You may have heard a version of them. In another translation, the word abide is used. But I love these verses. Here's what it says. Verses four and five says, remain in me. This is Jesus speaking. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Listen, if you aren't remaining in Christ, and this is a hard sentence, if you aren't remaining in Christ, then everything you're doing is a huge waste and nothing matters that will be produced. Nothing that is produced will matter if you're not remaining in Christ in all of it. So being a disciple is the process of staying connected to the vine. It's the process of staying connected to the vine. You're being the branch. You're being the branch. This, this is actually a mantra that we use as the staff, uh, uh, you know, for the staff of the church. We say this all the time because it helps us to keep our focus on what it really means to follow Jesus and to serve him and, and what matters most is to be, to be the branch because if it's not connected to the trunk or connected to the vine, then it's just a stick. Don't be a stick. It's not your connection point for the day. But, but I mean, honestly, would you just... Would, would you just take a stick and you see a stick laying there that's not connected to a vine or connected to a tree or anything and think, well, you know what? One day, fruit is gonna be produced from the end of this stick. No. Some of you gardeners might be like, well, if you kind of do this kind of, stop it. This is a great analogy, so just stick with me. <laughs> no one in their right mind would expect that, Right? No one in their right mind would expect that. Then why do we disconnect from the Lord and expect him to still work and produce things through our lives? Because we're not being the branch. We're just being a stick. We need to remain faithful. We need to remain faithful. We need to continue to hang in there. Because yeah, it gets tough. It gets tough sometimes. And we need to remain because when it's all said and done, 
He is the only thing that's left and he is the only thing that matters. Jesus is the remainder when everything else fades away. So you wanna talk about the word remain and what that really means for us as disciples, as followers of Jesus. When all the other things fade away, when all the other stuff that we thought mattered so much, when all the other things that we invested so much time and energy in and resources produce next to nothing. This is what it means to be disciples because nothing else of me is left and all that remains is him. That's the discipleship process. That is the weight of what it means to be a disciple that we need to understand as the church if we're gonna continue to move forward and make a difference in this community and make a difference in the world and the one person at a time that maybe you have the opportunity to influence this week. Because that is the kind of fruit that can be produced in your life that really, really, really matters for eternity. So here is the connection point for the day. Let's be disciples, not just converts. There are plenty of converts. This world, this community, the people around you that God has given you the opportunity to influence, they don't need you to be a convert. They don't need you to convert them. They need you to disciple them. You need to be discipled as well. Christians are meant to work together and to make disciples of all nations, not just make converts to faith. And that starts with us. And if we aren't being discipled, then we can't disciple. Church family, that's a huge phrase for us. Church, that, that phrase, church family, that, that, means, that means something to us. That, that's part of our culture here. I love my church family. I love you guys, truly. It should be. That, that phrase should carry some weight but you know what? If you aren't involved in serving, if you aren't involved in a life group, if you aren't involved in things that we should be involved in as disciples, then there are tons of opportunities to be discipled that you are missing out on. You are not, you are not fully involved in your faith in the way in which God wants you to be. And I'm not saying it has to be the same for everybody. That's why we've got so many different opportunities. Listen, life groups are a great, great way to bring people in your community to Jesus. Because I guarantee you, there are some people that, that you have influence over, that you have influence around, that would never darken the doors of this church. But they may show up at your house for a Bible study or a friend's house. Read Acts chapter two, that's where, that's where the church started. Maybe, maybe that's the starting place to them one day. Maybe they do come with you to church, which is an awesome thing. Just like the early church did in Acts 2, it's, it's an easy invite. And if you're interested in that, if you're interested in jumping into a life group, finding a Bible study, they all started back this week. It's not too late to jump back in or to even jump in for the first time. 
Come to the orange wall, talk to us. Come talk to one of us after the service. Jump on our website, hit that next step button on the, on the bottom left. Click find a life group, find a Bible study and jump in somewhere. I dare you. I dare you to not be a stick, to be a branch that is connected to the vine. I know it sounds funny, but just stick with me for, for a second here. Let's be disciples, not just converts. At the same time, there may be some here that are still trying to make up their mind about faith, still trying to make up their mind about, about Jesus. And I want to give you the opportunity to have that conversation, to maybe have your questions answered. Because God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you so that you could be with him and have eternal life and, and he's there to remain with you forever. Will you bow your heads with me? If you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, there is no better day than today. We got people with yellow lanyards that are sprinkled throughout that would love to talk with you, love to pray with you, love to answer your questions. You can even come find me, come find us at the Orange Wall. Maybe come find us during this next song as our worship team comes up and is gonna lead us in another song. Because we are called to be disciples, not just converts. We're called to be more like Jesus. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you don't pull any punches. I thank you that you don't give us a plan B. You love us too much for that. I thank you that you call us to the difficult things, to the tough things because of your love for us. Lord, I pray that as a church, we can take this challenge forward. It will make us healthier, make us stronger, make more disciples who make disciples. Help us, Jesus, to follow the Great Commission. But that's got to start with us individually. It's going to start with us one at a time. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. It's all for you. We hear you.